Hello everyone and welcome to episode 140 of Link to the Cast. On the show this week, tensions at Borderlands Studio, Riot Games sees walkouts, a positive move for EA, and in our book club this week, we grapple with Smackdown Here Comes the Pain. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, and I am joined on the line by both of my wonderful co-hosts this week uh, as I return to the program. First, the platforming prodigy that is Mark Robinson. How are you, my friend? Greetings. I'm good. I'm happy to be here with all my friends. You've, you've had some cereal. It's put some pep in your step. Uh, yeah, and then I had a sneezing fit and almost died, but I'm here. Um, I'm happy, and life is good. Yeah. And your tone couldn't convey that more. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us, our newest employee and the Roman Reigns of audio, Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? I'm absolutely devastated to be here, Dave. I'm just doing the opposite <laughs> of Mark. <laughs> the yin to Mark's yang. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mark, are you all right, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm all good. I feel like now's a good now we're on the podcast. Now's a good time for us to, we're to not find having, out how you really feel. We're not having an intervention. This is yeah, this is an place. intervention podcast. We have been building 140 episodes to lull you into an intervention. No, I've I've actually lulled you two together so we can actually get that long-awaited popcorn social episode out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw the Avengers. It were dead good. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. I saw Longshot. Seth Rogen is still funny. There you go. Done. Next. Or it's... There's a Pikachu film this weekend. It's meant to be pretty yeah, good. Yeah, with fucking Deadpool in it. Woo! There is uh I'm really looking forward to summer popcorn movie season this year, guys. If we, if we, if we want to do a mini popcorn social, a mini pea social yeah. right here, shake the rust off. We got Detective Pikachu. Then we've got uh, we've got Hobbs and Shaw, which may be the greatest movie ever committed to real. Uh, oh, sorry, question. To, to use the 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 full title, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Is Mark, that what have, you, have you seen? Have you watched the international trailer for this? I've watched a trailer for it. Okay, so it, just in case you haven't seen the got the full experience, the international trailer is where it's at. It's the one that will have you cackling with laughter. The okay. murder at the start of it is hilarious. I know I saw one trailer, and I'm pretty sure I, I saw at least two wrestlers that weren't The Rock. And I'm, I swear one of them was Roman Reigns. I don't yeah, know if... Roman Reigns is in it. He is in it. And him and The Rock do a hacker. Okay, alright. So I'm not completely out of my mind then. Yeah, he's like The Rock's brother, I think. Like he's part of the fact that they go back to to his home to presumably fight off Idris Elba, who's coming to get him. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't damn wait. Samoans. And just like I know the the Fast and Furious series strains credibility at the best of times, but they've gone straight from like zero to sixty here because Idris Elba is like a genetically engineered super soldier of some sort. He kind of looks like Deathlock, if you're familiar with Deathlock. 
Yeah, he does a bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hyped as hell for that. I'm also hyped as hell for Godzilla King of Monsters or Godzilla Absolute Unit. They I'm really sure. should just go the whole hog and just rename it Godzilla Absolute Unit and have the have the subtitle be look at the size of these lads. <laughs> yeah, but do you know what is out before Godzilla on the sixteenth of May? Uh would it be John Wick by it any would chance? Be John Wick chapter three. Oh. Yeah. Is John Wick only a few weeks so, away? Hey, sorry, we are... jo- sorry, sorry, Mark. John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's like li- literally less than two weeks away. What's the name of Jason Manzukas's character in that movie? The TikTok Man. Oh, just give it to me now, <laughs> straight, <laughs> straight into my veins. It is. I like. It is kicking off as a spectacularly dumb um, movie season. For for the summer, I'm we have it. we have the Secret Life of Pets two out the end of this month. That'll be good. And I enjoyed that first. I one was very much a fan of that first film. <laughs> I still sometimes when there's like a lull in conversation at home here, will turn and shout to Emma, "Rest in peace, Ricky." <laughs> um, Anim- animated movies are real good now, right? I feel like yeah. when I, when we were younger, like there was a real hit and miss quality to them. But I'd say like the the vast majority of big studio ones now are just really good. Yeah, I just want to point out on the other side of it. Apparently, I didn't even realize this. There's another fucking Terminator film coming out this year. Yeah, I can't even remember what that's called. Terminator Dark Fate. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, it's Linda Sarah- Hamilton's back. Yeah, isn't she? yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. That's what somebody wow. was pointing out that the final showdown uh, for the final season of Game of Thrones is basically a fight between the two non-canon Sarah Connors. Mm-hmm. Because I had forgotten Lena Headey played Sarah Connor in the TV show. Oh, yeah. She's done a lot of stuff. Like, every now and then, Lena Headey's one of those, oh, shit, Lena Headey's in this type people. Yeah. She would just, you'd be watching something, and you're like, oh, fucking hell. What was it? She was, she was in Dread, wasn't she? Yes. She was the antagonist in Dread. She was also the mother in Fighting With My Family, which was out yeah. last month or so. And it was she was Raya. Oh, she was fantastic. Like, yeah. she had the accent completely down pat. Her and Nick Frost were great in that. Oh, they just they made the movie as a duo. Did you see Florence Pugh just landed, like, an absolutely massive role um, to be in the uh, new movie they're making for uh, Natasha Romanov? my brain black widow so they're making a black widow movie from when i presume it would be like covering maybe the early part of her life potentially not sure really the red Red room movie yeah or or it would be the the budapest movie that they keep referring to with hawkeye Uh, i I can't wait until it absolutely like just shows up red sparrow do you remember red sparrow (laughs) yeah oh dear that was poor wasn't it that was really bad it was exactly what you wanted a Black Widow movie to be, like, aesthetically. But, yeah, well, no, the aesthetics, were I thought, were perfect. It's just the, yeah. the content of the movie was absolute bullshit. Um, I also saw that, and if we're going to wrap up our movie talk, uh, speaking of summer blockbusters, the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, the, the next adventure of Joe oh, Spider-Man. Oh. Yep. Just, just give all of it to me right give now. Me. Give me Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I mean, I, what? Gone. No, I was just going to say, I keep forgetting. I, I pointed this out, but I keep forgetting that Tom Holland is actually English because he has one of the more convincing American accents that you'll hear pulled off. 
Yeah. Yeah. And specifically regional to Queens as well. He's not just yeah. doing a hey, I'm from New York kind of thing. Like he's got the whole Queens thing down. It's it's crazy. Like that he was Oh, yeah, look, that would be great actor. if every second line in Homecoming would be, hey, I'm walking here! <laughs> <laughs> Followed by a wink at the screen, like, yeah. yeah. It's me doing a New York accent, guys. It's funny, yeah. he let, he lets, uh, Tom Holland lets all sorts of critical details about the future plans for Marvel films out, but he never lets his accent slip. That's true. Yeah. Also, I kind of like how they announced the, the title of the movie, do you remember, with, with him saying, oh, Oh, I've got the uh, yeah the new Spider-Man script on my iPad. Better keep this to myself. And it had like the title of the movie on there. Yeah. <laughs> really I also smart. appreciate how the start of that trailer is also like, hey, by the way, fucking watch Endgame because you don't want to watch this otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I, I mean, also really should we like... keep it spoiler free for Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't last week. No, but we well, made no, it very we clear said... as well. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, but we we'll keep it spoiler free this week. Yeah. Cool. Because uh, well, we'll only be like talking over stuff that you've already you've already discussed. Anyway, we might save an in-depth thing for a hypothetical piece of. Um, but my my last bit of uh, Tom Holland. Uh, this uh, this is the very last thing I promise. If you haven't seen it before, uh, do yourselves a favor. This is your homework for the podcast this week. Look up Tom Holland when he was on Lip Sync Battle. Oh, I've always seen it. Him doing on oh, is incredible. It. it is he class. That man. That man should have got an Academy Award for it. <laughs> Yeah, he um, he threw himself into it head first. Literally at one point. Yep. Great stuff. Uh, I, I can't anyway. wait for Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck. I just feel like he had the whole sort of like believability of like what he's saying. Everybody was sort of bought into him, and you just know that he's there's so much bullshit going on, this and there's going to be a switch flip at some point. It has made Jim Sterling's life that there's a Mysterio movie coming out now. And he's wearing the bubble helmet. There's one yeah. point in that trailer where he has the full-on bubble helmet and there's like green like jets of energy coming out of his hands. And I was just like, this is awesome. Can't yeah. believe they're doing this. Shall we discuss some video games, friends? Yeah. I'm, I'm on board <laughs> with that. Let's go. Don't think about it too hard. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. I'm going to hit up my boy, Marky Rob, first. Uh, so, <laughs> to be honest, I'm <laughs> still just playing Cuphead because uh, I finished it and I'm now doing the expert mode because uh, I need to suffer just that little bit more. Uh, and I will simply say that uh, expert mode, as you'd imagine, it is more difficult. Uh, the the patterns for the Fuck most right part, off. I know, right. town. I know, <laughs> the patterns for the most part are the same, but the patterns either just add like more elements to the screen, um, or are just the 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 enemies move faster. Um, so you know you're not required to do too much more. Um, so you know once you've gone through the game the first time around, you already have a kind of good idea about what to expect the second time around in, in expert mode. I don't know if that's going to be the case throughout because I'm still on the first island because even I'm fucking struggling with uh, with the, uh, the the Zeppelin level um, when she turns into the moon. I, she's wrecking me every time. I know you were having fun with that level on normal mode, Dave. Uh, that's the one I'm on now on my playthrough. Like, admittedly, I've only been playing... Um, I suppose I'll, I'll cover 
it now because I had it on my list as well. I've only been playing it in fits and starts, so I imagine I would benefit more from just like sitting down an evening and taking a run at a few specific bosses so that I can get good. Uh, but I'm actually, as much as a couple of them were frustrating, um, I am finding it on the whole easier than I did last time because by the end by the time i got to the end of the first island i just gave up <laughs> uh last time and that was the point at which i just said hey mark play the rest of this game for my amusement well yeah you had the ease of that you don't have the option this time yeah and the fact that i can kind of bring it with me so even if i get fed up of it like i can be sitting on a bus and go all right okay well let's get let's have a go with this poor, um, poor misery yeah exactly yeah misery <laughs> on the go i do find it is yeah. a game that um, you kind of—it's almost like you do need to warm up. Like you need to give about ten minutes of failure into you, and then you just everything kind of loosens up, and you're like, right, I just kind of get into that mode now. Because even I, for the, yeah, at least about the first ten minutes or so, I can't do fuck all, and then just it all kind of clicks into place. Yeah. Um. No, like I love it. I, I love that game. I'm so glad it came to Switch. It's so perfect on the Switch. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of amazed that even though I don't play these games anymore and two years has passed since the last time I played it, that I haven't gotten worse at Cuphead. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that game. I, I think if I had given, if I had had this run with it uh, two years ago, I probably would have been inclined to help you out, get it like maybe in the second position for game of the year. It finished third that year, didn't it? Yeah, what was twenty seven? Well, it, no, because it was Breath it was of the Wild and Odyssey, so that was never going to happen. Yeah. yeah, it's not better than either of those games, right? Mm. Probably not. Depends on who you ask. Yeah, <laughs> let's not let's not reopen that cold case. <laughs> oh my goodness me! <laughs> the deadlock of deadlocks. Um, Anything? That's all you've been playing, Mark, you said? That's all I've been playing. Um, I haven't actually played too much this week. Um, just busy with odds and ends. And Even though I had the bank holiday weekend, um, I didn't actually get a chance to play a whole hell of a lot. So uh, I still keep meaning to go and buy Devil May Cry 5 and actually knuckle down with that, but just have Real good, man. Yet. So I've been informed by you. Yeah. Um, Jack, what have you been at? I still... Um been really playing Bubba as you so I haven't uh, moved on too much from that and just sort of like on and off really um, I went back and played a bit more Ape Out because I got stuck in Ape Out and then just didn't take it up again yeah. uh, and then realised why I got stuck and was immediately infuriated <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of the uh, the very last disc of Ape Out and uh, yeah I mean it, it's going to take like the real right combination of, of generation and enemies being in the right pattern for me to get through that because yeah that was just leaving me uber frustrated but yeah uh still very much enjoying Bubba as you and yeah back back to ape out just infuriated how far <laughs> on ape out have you got uh it's like the second to last level oh right okay so that's the you're on the ship at that point aren't you yeah yes yeah, yeah. there's one or two levels towards the end of that, and I think the one in particular, because uh, it kind of brings everything together, and I, I remember getting really pissed off. I think it was the flamethrower fuckers that uh, yes. kept, kept like, you just, you, you try to work around them, but you end up just catching fire that once, and you're like, okay, just the next hit, the next anything, and, and I'm done. And um, yeah, I, I remember spending a fair amount of time on that. 
and uh, I'd kind of alternate between trying to hug like over the top or the bottom part of the screen. Then you get yeah. to a point and you end up getting bottlenecked because like you've got a couple of guys that have followed you from behind and you realise your path that you're trying to go through has now been blocked off and yeah you can't you can't rush it like it it invites you to try it and rush through as quickly as possible but some of those levels even like the more kind of open expanded levels like the 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 ship levels you think that it invites you to run through it as quickly as possible but it's not a tactic you can actually take no you can't um because the same thing happens to me it just there's something about that game that you really do just want to hug a wall um and make your way through or you want to pick one specific path and then multiple playthroughs go that way but it is kind of like you almost the best strategy that i've found is to sort of gradually approach enemies and pick them off one by one and then it's a bit it takes a bit longer to get through it sometimes but as you do that over the course of the level it makes it a bit easier but the flamethrower guys are the exception though because you can't really like a a rocket guy or like a machine guy or whatever like you can get out of the way of what they're putting down but the flamethrower guy because it extends out so far ahead it, it makes it really difficult to dodge on yeah the, out, so, the, the thing yeah. with the others is like you if you if you're rushing through on any level that doesn't have the flamethrowers it's fine because you can usually charge and get something before it has a chance to shoot you but you just can't yeah. do it with the flamethrower guys they will hit you before you have a chance to grab them yeah yeah, um, and Bubba's year is becoming even more complicated, and there are levels that you've got like multiple statements written, and you're trying to figure out ways to get through. So, I'm enjoying the challenge of that quite a yeah. lot. It's a it's a wonderful little game, one that I didn't expect to grow in me as much as it has. Um, the only other thing I've been playing, um, and this this had Jack nearly screaming in terror. Uh, before we started the program, I restarted Witcher Three. I why? deleted my why, old why, save. Why? That why? was somewhere in the three to three fifty in terms of hours played. Here's uh, what had me screaming in terror before we relaunch into the uh, the the Witcher bands. I have like all the way back to my PlayStation One. I still have all my old memory cards, all my old saves. I don't know why. But it, it, it fills me with some sort of sense of, of satisfaction. And it's like, there's a permanent record of my achievements here that I will mm. keep. And if I really did decide to go and plug my PS1 in and, and load up and boot up a memory card, I've still got my Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9 saves on there. I've still got my Metal Gear Solid 1 save on there, you know? And See, the idea oh. that you put 350 hours into something, Dave, and then you just, at the stroke of a key, deleted it, 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 it makes me sorrowful <laughs> i i wonder is it just that because i wasn't this was the game that turned me around on on like w proper kind of lengthy rpgs western or not or not western um and it could be because i didn't come from that age of games where you did like save scumming and things like that or were so invaluable that to me i was just like well i was done with it like i i finished everything <laughs> on that game there was nothing left to do. So if I'm going to play it again, I was going to like, I wasn't going to do a new game plus because I want to have a bit of a, like a, a kind of a, a clean slate. Um, so I, I kind of mixed the clean slate with the challenge and just bumped the difficulty up, up one from what I had played it uh, on before. Have you guys and, ever done a new game plus type experience with anything? For uh, any yeah. For other reason than getting trophies. 
Uh, I'm doing all my Breath of the Wild, slowly but surely. All oh, right. I, uh, I'm i pretty sure I have. I can't think off the top of my head what I have done. New game experience. Yeah, there's one or two games. I am, I am the kind of person that I don't tend to bother too much with playing like I, I wouldn't play you know through like God of War or Spider-Man a second time round because um, mm. I'm not I'm not really bothered about uh, trophies um, yeah but something where the, the whole purpose of the game is to play it over and over again like a, a, a roguelike whether it be a Spelunky or a Binding of mm. Isaac sure I'll do that over and over again but I won't do that with um, you know like your average kind of 10 hour campaign type game yeah I want to say that one of the platinums I have require, or a couple of the platinums I requ- I had required a new game plus, like Infamous Second Son and a couple of others. So I have done the odd new game plus, but this would be the first new game. This would this if I had done it, this would have been the first new game plus of that huge scope and size. Um, with the exception of Breath of the Wild, I'd done. But yeah, just did a clean slate, and boy howdy, is that game still real fucking good for nearly four years later. Or it would be right around four years later. I think it came out at the start of the summer in 2015. Um, and what has helped, like, its longevity was, well, one, the amount of DLC and the two expansions they released in the, the two years that followed the game, so it doesn't feel that old. Uh, and two, around the time the PS4 Pro came out, they just dropped a free 4K upgrade patch for the visuals. Um, so wow. it's it must it's, look fantastic. It looks real fucking good, man. Uh, I gotta say. Um, and obviously kind of, um, when I was going through the early game, when it came out was when there was still a few kind of visual hiccups here or there. There's like an area that you encounter in the first dozen or so hours of the game called Crookback Bog, which is where the, um, the crones are, which is part of the, the, the big kind of one, one of the big arcs and the Red Baron arc, you'd spend a lot of time out in Crookback Bog, Crookback Bog bug uh and yeah kind of a lot of the it got a bit hitchy there the frame rate uh when i was playing it initially and for the most part uh all those kind of visual kinks seem to have been worked out which is awesome um yeah really love that game it's still my favorite game of this whole generation i think and by the time you finished it you'll just be in time for uh, cyberpunk I was going to say, just in time for the ps5 yeah is that 2021 at the moment there the date on it um oh, yeah who really knows like because i remember they were showing that witcher game for like four years before it came out so who the fuck knows really who is um, uh who's funding cg um cd project red these days they are independent they yeah. even publish themselves after the witcher i'm pretty sure they're self-sustained and... yeah that that thing made a fucking boatload of cash true um not only that but then they released gwent as its own standalone card game uh, so I imagine they made a, a great bit of coin off that as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's The Witcher does not really... I'm retreading ground, and that's going to be a future book club where we actually properly reopen the, the Witcher case. But uh, Did you get involved in Thronebreaker, Dave? No, I did not. Uh, okay. No, the core Witcher 3 experience is what I want. And even within Witcher 3, I don't play Gwent. Um, like a lot of people will say, oh, you know, the full experience, you need to play some Gwent, but I'm like, ah, the cards in it, they do, there there are some good bits of lore and stories attached to some of it, but I'd rather, like, get that stuff from diary entries and environmental uh, 
stuff in the game rather than have to play a stupid fucking card game. Um, it's not what I'm there for. I want to swing sword, kill shit. And honestly, um, if you was going to play that, you would just play Hearthstone. Like, mm. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm not too fussed about the the card collectible game experience. But I actually, I, I guess I, if, I that's your, if that's your if that's your kind of thing, and you're after buying The Witcher anyway, that's an awesome bonus for you. But it's just not for me. True, but I I actually quite like Hearthstone. Uh, I I've spent a fair amount of time with it in the past, and it's the the thing with Hearthstone is it's the kind of thing that's like it's pretty easy to pick up, and like there is strategy to it if you want it to be, um, but it doesn't you know require too much uh, involvement in in figuring out all the mechanics. But like went from the brief amount of time when I looked into it, it just looks like a load of nonsense. Yeah, it's a real kind of stripped down one of those. Now I imagine the actual Gwent standalone game probably uh, adds layers to that. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of it's a thing that tacks on a bit of time if that is your kind of thing. Because then there's like a load of people in the world you can challenge to Gwent games, and then the Gwent cards to build. Like there's various decks. Um, so those collectibles which show up in various traders and, and, and as the spoils for side quests and stuff like that pop up around the world. So that's more stuff for you to do if you're looking for an excuse to keep playing. Which, as I said, not for me. Future um, podcast idea would be game within a game. Like, what is your favorite ooh. mini game within a game? Put that in the back burner and we can we can drop that at some point in the near future. Because I reckon there's absolute show, mate some good good examples of some excellent mini games within a game pretty that you sure, went back to the game just to play pretty sure we'll just go through the pokemon and pokemon stadium two mini games they are <laughs> right up there yeah oh, maybe man, we could that... do a blitzball episode uh, I, I, you Gert son of a talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i knew it was coming god damn god damn <laughs> oh dear um yeah, so that'll probably be me, the game I'm playing, until Rage comes out, which is only in a couple of weeks, I think, uh, which I'm really, really excited for. Um, she is racing by, guys. It really is, and it's been a lo- it's been a low-key banger for, for games. Yeah, it's out. Oh, fuck, it's out a week from now. Uh, Rage 2. Um, you can't play that the witcher solidly every single hour of every single better day quit, between now and then better quit my goddamn job yeah <laughs> um yeah anyway that's what we're playing now uh so let's move in and talk about the news news on the mark uh i think lads uh barry said it best on twitter this morning when he said um who would have thought that uh alleged child pornography being found on randy pitchford's usb key in a medieval times wouldn't even be the peak of him this year um, oh dear <laughs> fair he's fair having a hell of a year oh my god <laughs> Whew, right is anyone happier about his demise than, than jim sterling he is taking the greatest I was right victory lap at the moment, and deservedly so. Oh, dear. Um, so, if you thought the Borderlands 3 drama was going to stop at Gearbox CEO's CEO Randy Pitchford's ongoing lawsuit, his oh yeah, that was the other one, his Twitter tirade last week over microtransactions, yeah. where he was like, 
even though he said there'd be no microtransactions in Borderlands and there are, he claims he wasn't lying because they're only cosmetic microtransactions, which doesn't count, um, which is really blurring the lines of people's understandings of microtransactions now. Um, I think... <laughs> I think when uh, like I think his version of things is the bad microtransaction is that one that people are trying to rebrand now as recurrent user spending, whereas microtransactions are just fine. I um, loved it. I love recurrent user spending as a new shithousery term for microtransactions. Oh, it, it, oh, it creeps me out just saying it. Um, or the claptrap voice actors claim he wasn't paid for his performances in the first two games. I've got news for you. The latter dispute has evolved into something truly nasty with claptrap voice actor and former Gearbox employee David Eddings claiming Pitchford once physically assaulted him in a hotel lobby. The latest argument began when Eddings explained he wouldn't be reprising his role as claptrap in Borderlands 3, as apparently after insisting on getting paid, Gearbox chose to hire a different voice actor. How, <laughs> How dare, dare he? <laughs> How dare he exchange his services for money? Yeah, not only um, not only insisting he gets paid for the game he is signing up to do, but that he gets paid for the games he wasn't paid for as well. How fucking the nerve on this guy. Um, Eddings also referenced Pitchford's legal dispute in which the CEO has been accused of taking a secret $12 million bonus. I'm not telling them how to run their business, but maybe next time they should put the $12 million payment from 2K in the Gearbox bank account instead. Pitchford then stated Eddings was paid very handsomely during his employment and was made a relatively generous offer to reprise the role, but turned the opportunity down. In a statement made to IGN, Gearbox clarified it offers the opportunity for salaried employees to voice characters in the game, but it is not a mandatory responsibility to their job requirements. Gearbox says Eddings was offered an industry standard rate, but an agreement could not be reached. Unfortunately, Pitchford then felt the need to call Eddings bitter and disgruntled about having been terminated on Twitter adding Eddings was offered two times scale to do the performance if you're still with us this brings us to the current state of affairs in which Eddings claimed Pitchford physically assaulted him in 2017 I was fine moving on after Gearbox but when my former boss starts mouthing off about various aspects of my employment including how highly compensated I was and how generous he is I feel obligated to correct the record Eddings wrote on Twitter I ultimately offered to do it for free in exchange for past royalties owed, plus an apology for something I've never spoken about publicly until now. Randy physically assaulted me in the lobby of the Marriott Marquis at GDC 2017. Eddings followed up the accusation by remarking Pitchford has been on tilt for several years, while also casting suspicion on 2K's refusal to give a statement on the ongoing lawsuit. Eurogamer has contacted 2K for comment on the physical assault allegation. Um, there's a slight update to that story now before I throw over to you guys. Um, so the update, Eurogamer has received a comment from Gearbox on the physical assault allegation made by David Eddings against Gearbox uh, CEO Randy Pitchford. Statement full, Gearbox takes any and all claims of this nature very seriously and we will abstain from commenting on the allegations Dave is making because it is a personnel matter. We appreciate David's contributions to the board Borderlands franchise and have continued to assert we would welcome him back into the mix as the voice of Claptrap and other future opportunities. <laughs> Gentlemen. Well, this all sounds about right. Um, yeah. Wait, wait. First of all, who do you believe <laughs> in the story? <laughs> oh, oh. 
Look, where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's an awful lot of smoke pouring out of Randy Pitchford's hard drive this uh, year. I, I, I certainly believe the statement that Pitchford has been on tilt for several years. That's, yeah. That is yeah. so on brand. There's so much smoke, it's like someone announced a new pope inside Randy Pitchford, and he is just constantly producing it. It is, uh, yeah, it's troubling at this point. How have they not terminated... <laughs> their involvement with randy pitchford at this point like i i mean i guess he's the, i guess he's the ceo and a lot of people within gearbox are his buddies there's a uh, lot or at least at the he, higher level he, um, there's a lot of people in you know in there that will be mates of him but i assume if there's a ceo to this company they have a board a board yeah. of investors it unless may- he is I, I would think I, the, the more surprising thing is as a subsidiary of 2K, how 2K haven't stepped in at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, it could be like they're waiting to, to get Borderlands 3 out, um, whatever. Maybe there's not enough to like completely have him done with at this point, and so there's whatever contractual agreements, but maybe they'll just kind of see how Borderlands 3 fares out, and if there's yeah. more to this, which there probably will be, then at that point maybe they'll make a decision. Yeah, maybe it's a case where they they know he's probably guilty of sin on a, a good majority of the things he's been accused of, but they don't have enough to nail him on that, so instead of fire him now mid-development, and he seems like the kind of guy that would, in spite of everything, sue for wrongful termination... Um, you think that they'll just wait until this cycle is over and then quietly dispose of them <laughs> well just like just Out the pour them down the sink somewhere yeah one can dream oh. um he's he i'm sorry i i know i've brought this up a couple of times now but as we add more fuel to this fire he is winning our konami corner award There's, i can't see what is going to top this at this point <laughs> I mean, I feel like we've already said that exact phrase two or three times this year. But so, this is a one-man not... crusade for the ages, yeah. so like, like there has never really been a greater, there there has never been a better kind of personal campaign to get one shit house to win an award uh, since the Miramax campaigns of old in the nineties for Academy Awards. Yeah, uh, but, um, this, this is the Shakespeare in love of video games. Is what the, I'm saying. The, the, the... <laughs> The thing is, nice though, reference. the Konami Corner Award is the most prestigious award, and I respect Randy it Pitchford's attempts uh, to an escalation of his attempts to make sure that he is surefire number one for this this award at the end of the year. And for that, I, I can almost admire the work being put in because that's the only explanation I can more? come up with for how fucking much of an idiot he is. Yeah, how <laughs> many more stories before we just rename it the Pitchford Award? Like, I feel if. It, if it really carries on, like if there's a few more horrible things that he does this year, we might just have to take it away from Konami and just say there's the Pitchford Award. Well, it could be like the Konami Corner for Ineptitude Award sponsored by Randy Pitchford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then just a big dumb picture of his big smug face on it. My goodness. All right, so yeah, I like it's a case of if this had just come out of nowhere and your man was accusing him uh you know of assault i'd be like oh, mm, you know it's it's like the old football oh, he's not that kind of player but the fact that there's been a hundred thousand other things he's been accused of none of which like it, this kind of 
everything you've heard uh, from kind of anonymous sources about the kind of person Randy Pitchford is, like this, this in particular doesn't sound that wildly off the reservation for him. Um, especially the, say, po- post-colonial Marines era of Randy Pitchford. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, oh, Randall. Tomorrow's article, Randy Pitchford literally steals candy from literal baby. Yeah, and this is, like you said, Jack, I I just know this isn't the last we'll be hearing no. of him. There'll be a couple more. There may be even more before we post this podcast. Who knows? It's it's, it's his, his campaign is gathering a pace. I'm thinking for my E3 predictions that uh, somewhere in there, Randy and Meltdown will appear in consecutive words. (laughs) He actually assaults someone on the stage during a press conference. Oh, can you just, it's the dream. It's the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving on from one shithouse to another, Riot Games. Um, this was a story we covered last year a bit, Mark, wasn't it? The the lawsuits ongoing at Riot I Games. I feel we've brought up Riot at some point in the in the yeah. Past, yeah. So long story short, Kotaku investigation uh, last year unveiled uh, a really poisonous culture behind the scenes at Riot Games, systemic sexism and violation of California's pay equity laws and things like that. So there's a number of lawsuits at the moment working their ways, working their way through. Um, and I, there's f- for any sort of conflict, sexual harassment or otherwise, there's a company policy of forced arbitration in it, which kind of silences uh, the employees, which is why it had stayed quiet for so long. Different things like that seem real fucking shady shit. Anyway, to highlight uh, the issues going on at Riot Games, there was a walkout uh, this week. Uh, following Riot Games' attempts to block several gender discrimination lawsuits, employees have staged a walkout to protest the company's sexist culture and forced arbitration. Talk of the walkout began last week, and over 150 employees joined yesterday's demonstration at Riot's Los Angeles studio. Participants held picket signs and gave speeches in a parking area on the company's campus. The push to, uh, to stage a walkout stemmed from Riot's efforts to squash two of five gender discrimination lawsuits, which came in the wake of a Kotaku investigation into systemic sexism at the company. Riot insisted the women had waived their right to sue when they were hired, but public outcry meant that the company subsequently agreed to scrap its policy of mandatory arbitration. This will only apply for new hires, however, not to existing staff or or the current gender discrimination lawsuits, conveniently enough. Um, yeah. In a normal year, you would think, Mark, that a company basically making people say we won't hire you unless you agree not to sue us for the piece of shit we'll treat you like would be a pretty good konami corner in and of itself yeah i i mean the only positive that can come from this uh, hopefully is obviously with the uh the walkout that and I, I mean we've we've been discussing for the last couple of years now uh when it comes to america and different policies and, and unionization uh, of um, development development studios and, and publishment publishers studios, that you know sh- shit needs to change, and mm. um, and that's across the board when it comes to this, when it comes to pay, when it comes to just the basics rights basic rights of uh, the people that work at these places, and um, I feel like with every little step, we get closer and closer to where you know these people just, just have regular jobs and can get the types of rights that they uh they deserve uh and you know fingers crossed on that but 
it's it's it is still infuriating that we're having to get to this point where employees are still having to stage walkouts to to protest you know, forced arbitration 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 is uh it's kind of appalling still jack uh it is kind of wild that in 2019 we're still seeing sort stories like this isn't it it's it's mad but i kind of feel like we're at the point where this industry now is just dangling things in front of people to sort of force them into this weird compliance now where it's like oh this is a big opportunity here you go why don't you sign this uh we want you to we want to employ you but we basically don't want you to uh have any power if we treat you like an absolute arsehole the entire time that you're working for us. But it's a big opportunity, and you won't get this opportunity again. It's kind of using people's dreams and hopes as as a sort of a, a method of getting people to sign away their dignity, and that is really depressing, because no matter how terrible the offers are that people get from these companies, there's always going to be kids like fresh out of animation um college and studios and stuff like that who are not going to be able to say no to opportunities like this so yeah it, it, it's it's a very sad story dave mm-hmm. and just seeing some of the signs that just show how again systemic the sexist culture is i'm seeing one here that's embedded in the uh eurogamer article which is i reported and he got promoted um be the company you say you are silence one of us you silence all um yeah it's it's not a good time and absolutely solidarity and there was one i think uh who was it again i think it was barry um who pointed out like the most galling thing maybe of riot riot made a statement kind of uh saying that they you know basically that they'll allow this this walkout happen um and using the PR speak of referring to their employees not as employees but as rioters, oh. like a capital R to stay on brand. Oh, mate, is it's <laughs> just not the time, is it? Imagine like your entire employee base is so unhappy with working there because of the problems that are systemic within the company amongst racism, and you're you're still referring to them as if they're some sort of gang. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's, oh, look, that's another one of those. We'll probably be revisiting this at some stage. Are there any companies that have worse PR at the moment than video game companies? <laughs> Excellent chance for a segue there, Jack, because Electronic Arts uh, has been in the news <laughs> again. But uh, actually, a little bit of good news for them, uh, as Sony have reversed its policy and are going to allow EA Access to be available on PlayStation 4 in July. Uh, EA's game subscription service, EA Access, will launch on PlayStation 4 in July after years as an Xbox One console exclusive. On PC, uh, EA runs a similar program, Origin Access. Uh, on PS4, will offer a similar big back catalogue of EA games on as on Xbox, with the same 10 hours of early access to new titles and discounts on game or DLC purchases. The subscription service will cost you the same as on Xbox, uh, either $5 a month or $30 a year. Presumably, you'll have to buy a separate subscription for your PS4 to your Xbox, though. Big U-turn for Sony. Five years ago, PlayStation poo-pooed EA Access for its console and decided it had, uh, or said it had decided the subscription service was not good value for money. Uh, I'm inclined to 
kind of feel like it's cool for people who want it that this service is available but i don't disagree with the idea that it's not great value for money just because um just hearing a lot of people going on ea access like a lot of ea's games are annualized and the non kind of annualized sports games that are on there there's not really that many new ones that come out anymore it's well that's the the bad star wars games i guess as well but um what's your take on this jack like nhl 15 or something on there basically yeah i don't yeah i don't think it jumps back beyond the current generation but yeah like there's some legacy uh sports games and things like that i don't think the most current like so say fifa 19 is on at the moment i think it's after fifa 20 gets announced at ea if i remember rightly from last year it's like right when the new one's about to come out that the old one goes up so it will it would be incredible value if you could pay 30 dollars for the year and fucking fifa 20 madden 20 all that shit you can get it day one and it only cost you 30 dollars for the year that would be remarkable value yeah no brainer um, but this, even as a sports game fan, Jack, this not doing it for you? Um, no, but I think it's the right decision from Sony. I mean, I, this is the same point I made last week. It's just you want everybody to be able to have access to all games at all times. And whether it's just a sort of, you know, kowtowing a little bit to, to pressure from Sony, or whether they just realize, hey, there's some more money in in this for us it's just it's a logical decision how i many, haven't got ea access though how many how many publishers do we have at this point that have their own service because you've got ea and ubisoft the two off the top of my head i imagine activision have something but i don't remember off the top of my head you know i don't know if they do you'd have thought that they would have had something yeah but maybe they don't um but yeah i agree that um for PlayStation, it makes sense to, to be able Oh, to... I guess they have the Blizzard side of Activision. Blizzard has that. What's the name of that fucking online service for the Blizzard games? It's called World of Warcraft. <laughs> Is it like... Hold on, you keep talking. Uh, yeah, no, it's just echoing uh, Jack's sentiment that it makes sense for them to have it. It makes sense to have uh, players playing your console uh, and to, to subscribe through that. Um... 20 I mean it's 30 dollars 20 pounds a year it's not that Battle much money Battle.net, that's the one yeah uh yeah yeah because you log into that for even like stuff like Hearthstone as well so that makes sense um yeah it, it just it makes sense to have it uh, i i don't think i don't think it does offer that much in terms of value um but that's probably more for me personally the the types of games that they're releasing on not up my uh, particular Straza. but uh yeah you know, uh, I, I guess, like, if are all your old Tiger Woods games on there? Probably not. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Be because I would absolutely love to go back and play, like, the original Masters Edition uh, of I Tiger would, Woods PJ. I wonder how that, that, that works for, um, like, likeness rights for... Uh... For, well, for any for sports games, you know, the, they have uh, the likeness rights to a particular player uh, for, you know, five years, ten imagine, years. I imagine that um, EA probably <laughs> locked things down a bit more after the 90s when they had the issue. Wasn't it the original Ronaldo that they couldn't get the license for in a couple of the FIFAs? Yeah, that and was he was when... just in as number nine. That was when image rights in football started being a really huge deal. Um, yeah back back around that time 
So at some point, a lot of sporting organizations and EA as well, when they went into negotiations, started doing them on kind of collective image rights. Yeah, but that still might and, differ from sports franchise to sports franchise. You know, I can't imagine they ha- NHL yeah, they and have NFL all the, FIFA's the same as FIFA there, or whatever. They have all the FIFAs on there uh, origin and as an origin-enabled game. Yeah. See, yeah, like with association <laughs> sports, words. with association sports, like... Um, like with FIFA and stuff, I know they they don't necessarily need to negotiate with the individual leagues for the most part. They kind of because they have the agreement with FIFA, they get a lot of them. Um, uh, and then it's kind of like outside of that, they would maybe negotiate with like so. Last year, they got the Premier League, uh, like the match day presentation graphics and stuff like that, which I imagine was some sort of agreement that was struck. Um. But like at this stage, like you said, with the kind of how we've come on in terms of image rights for game for games and stuff like that, I imagine kind of FIFA have all that kind of lockdown. Because uh, like, surely there must be some agent somewhere for name your big player. We'll say Neymar is the obvious one who's like, nah, fuck this. I want you know a bigger slice of the pie. Like you must have that. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a thing with players. Like I know Clubs. if you if we had you go with, by we had it with the new camp, didn't we? Being... With yeah, so the the new camp is probably the only one that FIFA has struggled with, uh, and that's um, I imagine that's a loophole that will probably be closed from FIFA's point of view at some stage. But yeah, that was the one um, that will probably be back on on FIFA either next year or the year after because I think it was only like a two or three year deal that Pro Evo signed to have the new camp. And much as I think it's a case of you can't really opt out of your team being in FIFA if your league is already in FIFA, but I think you can, like, your club can individually negotiate for Pro Evo just based on the way that, like, the whole Premier League has never been in Pro Evo, but every so often you get right. Liverpool are on there at the moment. United were on it for a few years. Um, Chelsea were on it for a few years. Um, things like that. Um, it's a. I imagine it's both like interesting and incredibly tedious at the same time. Yeah, uh, I think to... the, like clubs own the image rights to the players, but they give players royalty payments for their image so yeah. like it's like the club like loan or rent or 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 buy the image rights to certain players from that player in a way so like via their agent they will give them a certain amount of money per year usually for their image rights and that's all kind of tied into their weekly wages and the way the contact contracts are structured uh, yeah. I, I, from the last time i was reading about it um from like secret footballer stuff and so well, uh, yeah, I'm not not entirely sure. Like we've we've entered a whole world of uh, of contract law here that maybe we should move it along. And I, I'm very sad to discover there are no Tiger Woods games on EA Origin, which means I'm out, guys. I'm out of EA Origin. <laughs> uh, moving on to the nightmare factory that is Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. Uh, it looks like based on the horror that was wrought by that trailer they are going to redesign the character um it was really kind of amazing to me how easily that kind of render of sonic in that movie can be made to look less terrifying um there's an image going around that somebody photoshopped i think he said in like five or ten minutes and it looks 
look really good. Uh, have you seen that, Mark? Uh, I, <laughs> to be honest, I've seen every single fucking um, like mock-up, change, edit of that, including the most recent one being the face swap between Sonic and Pikachu, uh, which is hauntingly hilarious. Um, but yeah, the the thing that I'm curious to see is, sure, doing one, um, uh, taking an image and changing it is fine, but to change that for an entire film. Uh, from something that is just a static image to you know an actual animation, uh, that shit's going to take time. And when the hell is mm. the film set for release? Sonic the Hedgehog. November. November. So I mean that shit doesn't take five minutes. So I'm no. curious to see if that doesn't get pushed back till 2020. Are you a little bit disappointed that it's not going to be the nightmare-inducing version? No, I'm more than happy that Sonic will hopefully not have human teeth now. I'm more than happy about that. Um, <laughs> I still wish they could have had Paul Rudd instead of James Marston, but, you know, you get what you can take. Uh, Jack? Is there any way this movie is going to be good? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on then. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could have that conversation. Yeah. Thanks for preparing me for that, guys. You are welcome. Uh, so speaking of EA and Origin, uh, EA has dropped 12 Star Wars games into the Origin Access Vault and confirms Jedi Fallen Order gameplay will be available at EA Play at E3. So they've added Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, Battlefront 2, uh, the old one, uh, Republic Commando, Rogue Squadron 3D, Dark Forces, Shadows of the Empire, X-Wing Alliance, Jedi Knight, Mysteries of the Sith, Galactic Battleground Saga, Starfighter, Episode 1 Racer and Rebellion. Um, yeah, I guess like if you're somebody who is in the mood for Origin Access, as we said, this might be this might pique your interest. I know a lot of those games I just mentioned have like little kind of cult fan bases built up around them. But again, not a huge Star Wars guy or a Star Wars game guy. So well, I yeah, I don't like in have episode any... one racer back in the day, but that was a long time ago. So I, uh... yeah, I don't know if Jack, this doesn't make you more or less likely to bite, does it? <laughs> No, I I I like Star Wars an awful lot, but again, uh, apart from like Jedi Knight Two, uh, on the on the PC many years back, I haven't been a huge Star Wars game guy either. And but like Mark said, actually, the Pod Racer game on N sixty four, real fucking fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one last bit of um... <laughs> is that it? you've got no, there's no. There's no Dave Ryan uh, Star Wars game uh, story to add. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I've really never been, again, apart from like brief dalliances with Podracer, I've never really been a Star Wars game guy. Well, Lego Star Wars was boss. (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) That's about it. (laughs) Lego anything is great though, right? Uh, Yeah, That is a fair shot. Um... One last bit of it, 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 I'm called an audible here because it's one last thing. It's a kind of rather than a uh, a game story, it's a game's media story. Um, so uh, over at Vice, uh, Austin Walker's Waypoint website, uh, which has been kind of doing real um, different coverage of games and games media over the last three years, they kind of cover a lot of the the cultural impact of games and how um 
gaming explores different issues that are reflective of culture and issues of race and sexuality and things like that. Some really interesting discussions, uh, a really good biweekly podcast uh, that they do as well, Waypoint Radio. Um, as part of massive restructuring at Vice, uh, Waypoint is just being completely folded into Vice.com now. Uh, so everything to do with gaming and tech is now going under the the Vice gaming banner. Um, and even though, Mark, they say that you know nothing's changing for now, this I ill port. That absolutely me. means stuff will be changing in the future. Yeah, uh, already. Um, now, unrelated, the first part is, is unrelated to the fold and It's just kind of a coincidence of timing that Natalie Watson, one of the staff members there, is leaving uh, from this Friday because she got a job offer elsewhere. Uh, and Danielle Riendo, who's one of the, the main editors there ha- as part of the restructure because they fired a lot of their editors last year. Uh, she has been moved over to some new kind of vice reporting vertical. Uh, that she's the managing editor of so she'll still be appearing on the podcast but will be less involved with the site now the the nucleus of uh austin walker rob zachney and patrick klepik will still be there at least at the moment um but yeah um <laughs> like you said yeah they say they went to pains to say things are not changing which makes me worried that things will change yeah i mean it definitely sounds like a, a scale down of of operations um and I imagine it's a, a consolidating some assets into you know the bigger structure of, of Vice, and um, I imagine there it it's being overseen by like whatever tech section, and uh, you know just to try and streamline things. Um, and you can make however many assumptions if that is uh, based on on Waypoint not being you know a, a financially viable. output or whatever the case may be Um, but usually when something like that happens it means that money isn't getting made somewhere and someone has to and and you you get restructuring like this you know Um, sometimes it's not a cynical thing sometimes it's just it's a smart business thing to do Uh, and it could just be that um, while Waypoint, Waypoint does have a very unique voice and it does do stuff that um I'm certainly invested in um, maybe it just simply doesn't have the, the traction that uh, other gaming outlets does. Yeah, uh, I guess even within the niche of uh, being a video game fan, the way they talk about video games is is a niche within a niche. Um, but gets like a lot of within the industry, a lot of their writing gets great critical praise. But I suppose critical praise doesn't really equate to clicks as much for uh, the 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 big decision makers advice but uh, all the best to them anyway because I love Waypoint um, let's move into the book club for this week um, we are going to talk all things wrestling uh, with an absolute classic from the Playstation 2 lads we're going to talk about Smackdown here comes the pain dead man walking you've done it now Now, this is gonna be a judgment day. 
WWE Smackdown, Here Comes the Pain, known as Exciting Pro Wrestling 5 in Japan, which is an infinitely better name, is a professional wrestling video game developed by Ukes and published by THQ for the PlayStation 2. It is the sequel to WWE Smackdown, Shut Your Mouth, released in October 2002, and is part of the WWE Smackdown series based on World Wrestling Entertainment's weekly TV show Smackdown. It was the first Smackdown game to feature a catchphrase not linked back to The Rock in its title. It was also the final WWE game to solely use the Smackdown name as it was succeeded by WWE Smackdown vs. Raw in November 2004. Um, lads, let's get a bit of context here. We are on record uh, on this program as being massive advocates of N64's No Mercy. Still to this day, so many fond memories of it. The PlayStation came out and they had their Smackdown games uh, which I think Mark had a distinctly more arcade feel in the early years would it be fair to say this is correct um, I'll make the one and only uh, plug to a prior episode uh, we did at the start of the year with myself and Rich Kreish of the Voices of Wrestling podcast uh, and, and we spoke a lot about those games and yeah the, the Smackdown games uh, have always been slightly more uh, arcadey uh, and a little bit more fast-paced, a little bit more immediate. And uh, SmackDown Here Comes the Pain was the first one for me that attempted to um, slow down, slow things down uh, a little bit uh, and, and come away from this idea of spamming 12 finishes uh, for your opponent mm. only to get up a couple of seconds later. Uh, I mean, for me, SmackDown Here Comes the Pain, uh, for me, is better known as SmackDown, the one with Brock Lesnar on the cover. Um, that's that's the thing I always come to. And it's also, it's like, it's the first SmackDown game uh, post the Alliance. So, you know, you, you the, the roster just expanded like crazy um, to include, obviously, you know, from the likes of Rob Van Dam and Booker T. And, you know, the, the child in me at the time suddenly could make create all these dream matches and, and book the uh, the invasion angle the way it was meant to be done yeah what's your Jack what's what's your history with the, the Smackdown franchise at what point did you jump on uh, yeah I jumped on from the very first Smackdown because I actually had um, WWF uh, well I played around my friend James Parsons house Does it, I think it was is it either Warzone or I can't remember what that game's called. The very, it may be the very first PlayStation game in the WWF sort of oeuvre at the time. Is that the first time WWF and oeuvre have ever met in the same sentence, by the way? Wow. Um, and then, yeah, WWF Attitude I had, that was the first one that I actually owned for myself. So when when SmackDown uh, and the series launched, I was I was super hyped and I pretty much had every single one up to this point um, and yeah when smackdown here comes the pain came out it was no different for me i went and bought it and i like mark was incredibly excited by the addition of, of all of these former you know wcw guys and the only way i've been able to to play them in in the modern games was to either create a wrestler route and and go mm. online and look up all these complicated instructions as to how i was going to make hulk hogan and kevin nash and and have them in a tag team match against the rock and stone cold or whatever and yeah here they all are 
all in the same game. It was uh, it was incredibly exciting for me. And you mm. know what the best part, Dave? What was so all of the previous games as well. Like you know, they're bits of create a wrestler, and it's certainly something that in in modern games where you have bits of and pieces of things that you can use to create people. It's all gated away. The the best thing about here comes the pain is right out of the box every single micro detail option of the creator wrestler mode is is available from the jump now it sounds crazy that like games didn't do that then and, and don't really do that now but yeah you can jump straight in as well and just put anybody else that you want in the game and, and make your creator wrestler from minute one to be going up against you know Borg laser and stuff yeah. that's true because you know one of the things that fucks me off about the new wwe 2k games is that not only is the creator wrestler content kind of piecemeal locked away but n- now it's a case where the the best way to unlock it is by like microtransactions and things like that to kind of like there's some moves and things like that that are only available as part of the dlc and it's oh it's gross (laughs) yeah the moves thing is super infuriating like there are things where like the ufc um route that ea went where they were like right to unlock punching you have to open it or find it in a in a in a pack somehow it's just like oh what really Loot the boxes absolute, for punches. The, the absolute grind to unlock things in the right way, and that like to unlock it by just doing career mode or whatever, is ridiculous. Um, especially when also elsewhere in the game, there's literally just a button to unlock all the wrestlers. Like if you don't want to go and kind of get all the wrestlers piecemeal, you can just hit like say triangle or whatever on on one of the screens, and it will just unlock all of them but it won't do the same for all the creator wrestler content. That is, that's mad. It boggles the mind, my friend. It's, it's just, it's not worth thinking about. Uh, my, my first experience with first proper experience, shall we say with the SmackDown franchise would have been the first one on the PS2. Just bring it. Cause I didn't own a PS one. I played a little bit of SmackDown two, I believe uh, in a, in a friend's house, but uh, again, at the time, it was when it was, uh, as you say, Mark, like all too fast, all too arcadey uh, and just felt compared to the kind of, you know, the, it, there felt like there was weight and impact to everything in, in No Mercy 64 for me. Um, and compared to that, this was just entirely too floaty and weird. Um so I, I come on with just bring it and I'm enjoying it. I got my PS2 now. It's looking, it's definitely, um, the visuals are looking great. Uh, enjoying my new console and having a wrestling game to play on it. But it really is, as you kind of alluded to Jack, this is, this game here is where it really just kicks up a notch. And I think of this whole franchise, the SmackDown and later SmackDown versus Raw franchise, um, you would be hard to find a game in the series that tops this just for it's the comprehensive roster, the comprehensive creator wrestler settings, as you say, um, and just the, the wealth of content and things to do in this game combined with how great it looked for the time. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the content, like the career mode is infinite. Like you can play that for as long as you want. It had really cool features like the weird first person thing where you're walking down the hallways and you yeah. can see, other wrestlers you know you can start beef 
uh, with or, or whatever, or just interact with and talk to with like silly little options and stuff. I just think it, the the gameplay it 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 was it was so fluid. Like this is one of the most of the that sort of era. This is one of the most fluid games that you can play. It's it's quick. It's pacey. It it feels fun to play. Like you can get somebody that that doesn't really know necessarily uh, much about even wrestling or anything to be picking it up and playing it just like it's a standard fighting game. Like mm. I'm not having to work out a million different things. There was a the slightly sort of more complicated if you wanted to root with the with the grappling and, and moves that you could go into, but the pickup and playability of this game, like it was right from the get go, just very, very satisfying to have and in your hands and, and get just pretty much do whatever you want in career mode straight from the get go. I do think that um one of the big things about this is that there's a significant ramp up in um the the production values. Uh, so Just Bring It was obviously the, the first game in the SmackDown series to hit the PS2. And obviously, you know, the, there is a, a step up from um, Shut Your Mouth to uh, Just Bring It. But that's just because you, the, the step up from the PlayStation to the PlayStation 2. But there's still, like, the, the faces on Just Bring It still look a bit uh, fixed in place. There isn't a lot of kind of emotion going on. Uh, and there's still a lot of kind of jagged edges around, you know, the hair and the elbows. Um, and, and Here Comes the Pain smooths out a lot of that. And it was definitely the first time I remember playing a wrestling game and, and the characters just felt a little bit more alive, a little bit more uh, realistic um, and a little bit more immersive. And certainly when you add in, this was the second game where, uh, you know, entrances actually were entrances and they weren't just wrestlers walking in front of the Titan Tron. Yeah. And uh, the arenas looked a little, little bit more alive. The the audience was a little bit more active. and Which you know, I, I think is, you know, it may seem um, to some like a really minor thing, but for the, the immersive experience, I think that stuff is so fucking important. Oh, totally. And certainly for... The, the the age that I was at and for WWF at the time um, or WWE at this point like things like you know uh, all of the pay-per-view arenas having their own actual feel like you remember the days we had different sets yeah. for different pay-per-view oh man that's like legitimately the people give out all the time on Twitter I see about how there's like apart from Wrestlemania there's such a lack of pyro nowadays fuck the pyro the sets are I really miss the fucking the um the backlash set with like the swinging sides on it oh uh-huh. give, give me that any day of the week the the king of the ring with the giant electric chair and honestly even more than just that just the, the differences between the raw and smackdown sets you know yeah. like i i love that fist coming through the screen on the smackdown set that was it's uh, oh, all timer oh yeah, yeah exactly so just a lot of that stuff um, makes this game just feel that little bit more uh, alive. And uh, that was always the thing when I think back to, you know, the best SmackDown game. Um, that That's one of those things that really kind of stands out for me. And, and Triple H's hair, you know, starting to get to the point where it was just, just looking a little bit more realistic, you know? Although it doesn't <laughs> quite have the, the feathered effects that he was going for around this period. The- the barometer of video game graphics that is Triple H's hair. Uh, 
Jack, this this also marks. I'm sorry, I'm just so amused by Mark singling out Triple H's haircut as the as one of the things that he loves about the game. Oh, it's... well, it is like that. That is a thing people used to say. It's that that's how well you can tell the engine is doing for the the graphics on a wrestling game. Is how is Triple H's hair looking this time? Um, Jack. Uh, this game also marked the the debut of uh, an, an infamous match type in the franchise uh, and one of your personal favorites, I'm sure. I'm, of course, talking about the Bram Panties Bram match. Panties. No, yeah, no, no, the Elimination <laughs> Chamber uh, made its debut in this series. And I fuck, I look, I not now because it's just kind of it's been like everything else in WWE. It's been done to fucking death now. But I fucking loved the Elimination Chamber back in this day. I did as well. And yeah, I was super, super hyped. I remember watching that first Elimination Chamber. And, you know, they were talking about it, kind of hyping up on WWE TV. Eric Bischoff's maniacal promo about it is one of his all-time great performances. He's smacking the shit out of the steel with that lead pipe he's got as well. Yeah. 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 But even with all of that, like, it didn't really convey what it actually was until you got there on the night and i've never been i think it was aside from the invasion ppv like that was one of the last ones i was so excited about and just seeing it 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 really delivered in in terms of the scale so when i found out in terms of the scale it delivered in terms of the violence violence, because at least three of the men in that match were just caked in pints of their own blood Mm -hmm. By the uh, end, Triple H have... suffered a legit crushed larynx. <laughs> you have not seen a man caked in his own blood until you have seen Jimmy Havoc from Super Strong Style 16 <laughs> yesterday. But that, that's another story for another time. Uh, yeah. It, and it just... then, of course, the, the emotional climax of that original match that just gives it a special place in my heart of Sean, after his four years away, winning the title in Madison Square Garden, which to this day is one of my favorite crowd pops of all time. People lost their fucking reason in Madison Square Garden that night when he won. So I was so happy to see this match arrive. Uh, Mark, were you? did you play much Elimination Chamber in this game? Are you a fan of the Elimination Chamber? Oh, fuck yeah. The two things I did more than anything else, I would either do uh, six-man tags or I would do the Elimination Chamber because uh, I, I just was all about doing random like matchups where there was, be... was money in the bank in this no no the money in the bank like, no. money in the bank wasn't even a concept to this point um but just doing random matchups like fucking a six-man tag with nikolai volkov batista and stephanie mcmahon against i don't know the rock iron sheik and fucking rodney mack you know just just complete nonsensical random matchups and and uh, adding to that with the elimination chamber and also making um custom wrestlers as well uh yeah and just like this was also the first of the SmackDown games where a lot of the uh, the a lot of the the maneuvers and the and the contacts like it, it felt a lot more physical. It felt a lot yeah. more impactful. Um, so you know when you were Brock Lesnar and you hit an F five on the outside of the Elimination Chamber, it had a real kind of weight to it. Yeah, or if you were Goldberg and hit a spear. Exactly. Like exactly. Yeah. So oh yeah, fucking absolutely just love playing through the elimination chamber and i think as well um was this the first smackdown game to have multiple finishers 
because I can't remember if it was Here Comes the Pain on this Oh, as in like your your secondary finisher The secondary finisher, yeah. Yeah. Um, Could have been. So, you know, so you do an F5 on whatever character you make and have like a double power bomb as well. And um, yeah, you just... I I remember more about the Hell in a Cell from the second SmackDown game because I remember spending just the longest time trying to hit the last ride through the middle and, and putting the person through the, the cell. Um, mm. But I remember spending a lot of time, as mentioned, just doing a lot of the, the six-person tags just because the, the roster opened up so much, as mentioned uh, earlier, with uh, all the new additions. And I was, you know, at this point... Uh, I I was religiously watching the the show every week, so you know I knew everyone that that was there and knew all their finishes and uh, yeah, just a, a, a fond time of my childhood. Yeah, I um <laughs> I was saying to you off the air that uh, speaking of six man tags, I was also funnily enough a fan of the the six man elimination tags. Uh, just yeah, like because the breadth of the roster and the the interesting kind of matchups you'd have, uh, and one of my favorite ever glitches in a video game uh took place in a six-man tag match in this game where i i believe yeah i was i was brock and i was in the ring with one sergeant slaughter and you know the way it's still at that age where you couldn't technically do a move onto a weapon like you couldn't do a finisher onto a chair or anything like you know was that the did they have weapon finishers in that game or was that not till SmackDown versus Raw? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe. But you couldn't just either way. You couldn't just do any old no, finisher onto a chair. Um, no, you could. You could really. So yeah. So what you could do to kind of like for the suspension of disbelief, you could do a move in dire- in the direction of where the chair was lying down in on the ground. So I F five Sergeant Slaughter onto a chair. And he, some combination of him clipping into the chair and the chair clipping into the ring happened where Sergeant Slaughter was decapitated. Like, his head disappeared. There was just his (laughs) carcass and the chair where his head was. And he remained, like, in the, you know, the in those games, they kind of, like, there's the, you're down, and then when you're proper down and knocked out, you kind of starfish on the ground. So he was starfished in the dead center of the ring. The match went on for uh, the guts of another 15 minutes and he did not move. There was wow. just a headless corpse in the middle of it was the great I if only the share button existed back then. <laughs> that is utterly bizarre and haunting uh, in many ways. The, uh, one thing that was introduced in this game that I think was obviously something that's kind of standard now is this was the first uh, game, wrestling game, where you had the body damage like shown as, as being done to different parts of the body. So, like, you know where you've got, like, I don't know, the head is maybe a, a yellow and you've got, like, an arm that's, like, into the red zone and stuff like that. This was the first game that, that ever showed that as a as a thing to see the damage and i think it's just a really simple way of you know you you see plenty of matches where people work on specific body parts and and this was the first one that had it as a a feature in the game yeah Um, i'm trying to remember with the the story mode was it for this this rendition was it that were specific characters or specific wrestlers and they had their own individual stories 
because they all kind of merge into one, and I only remember from the original SmackDown, this, SmackDown Two. This is the one where like you could you could pick anybody to have a career, and there was a kind of uh, a certain amount of like this is the storyline storyline A, and it would just kind of randomize who antagonist A was kind of situation. Um, I also, if I recall correctly, Jack, was this the career mode that had a couple of, like, creepy romance angles with some variation of Tori or Stacy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that was. Yeah, see, I'm watching... A, I, I I'm, seem to I'm recall watching... a very badly pixelated one or the other going behind a screen door and stripping off in this game. I'm, I'm watching a fo- footage, right, f- footage right now of Kane and Trish Stratus... Trish... Trish oh, Jesus, I can't talk at the moment. Trish Stratus. Uh, and they are... Uh, it's... Mm, yeah, it's uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> uh, you know, it was the first game that had Kane without his mask on. But one of the classic characters in the game was Kane with his mask. So I very unoriginally played lots of, of like wrestling matches of masked Kane versus non-masked Kane due to my love of Kane at the time. <laughs> A Kane derby. I would have plenty of Kane derbies in, 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 like, in different kinds of matches as well. Never the brown panties match though, but still, you know, a man can dream. That, you know, I suppose it would be remiss of us not to briefly talk about that. That was super creepy. Yep. But then that was WWE at the time. It was pretty yeah. creepy. And The only, the, the only I suppose, uh, thing worth mentioning that was remotely entertaining about the brown panties matches of those games were the, the janky-ass physics of the clothes when they were being removed, where they were just, like, stiff as a board. Yeah, the second, it, like, an item of clothing was re- removed, it just looked like it had been, like, in a pool of starch for about five years. Ah, great stuff. Uh, closing thoughts, gentlemen. We'll go to we'll go to Mark first. Uh, just it's you know it's the first SmackDown game that felt a little bit more refined and and felt a little bit more uh, focused and, and you know removing slightly away from the the arcade vibe of of the early games. Um, it still for me doesn't hold up against uh, No Mercy and then the N sixty four Aki games, um, but it's it's the shining moment really for the the playstation and the, the smackdown series and has a lot going for it you know it expands more on the backstage areas there's a ton of areas backstage to explore and you know throw people off of different uh, parts of the environment um all the the contacts you know when swinging a chair feels really satisfying and, and just really impactful uh, and just overall the the production values uh, are a lot stronger uh, so yeah it's it genuinely um uh, just a, a very very good overall package uh jack can you give us your closing thoughts and we'll leave it to you to do the elevator pitch this week yep i feel like i want to do the elevator pitch for exciting pro wrestling five though rather than smackdown <laughs> here comes the pain do you know what oh, i was looking the, i i had never heard that before till i started reading me neither and it really Great cracked stuff. me up it's funny because if you look at the the reviews from like all of the Western game sites, it's getting like eight and a half, nines, etc. out of ten. But Famitsu gave it twenty nine out of forty, and I kind of feel like it. And the fact that it's called exciting pro wrestling is really a sort of like 
because of Japanese wrestling culture being so different, it's kind of like a piss take of the fact that it's like, oh, this is a load of nonsense. You don't want to be doing away with this American wrestling. We yeah, like you almost want to people. put exciting in big air quotes. Yeah, we want to be kicking people in the face and hitting them as hard as possible. Uh, elevate a pitch for this game. If you want to face Kane without a mask, <laughs> with Kane with a mask, for the first possible time anywhere ever in the world, you better get yourself smacked down. Here comes the pain. Because if you're like me and you were 14 and you really loved Kane, this is your game. <laughs> that is the end of proceedings for episode 140 of Link to the Cast. We're not going to announce the new game for next week because honestly, we have a fucking breeze <laughs> right now. There was an unreasonably long production meeting beforehand, even trying to hammer out the one for this week. So uh, stay tuned for next week's uh, mystery episode. Um, we are part of a, uh, a, a an Airsats uh, podcasting network here. We have a couple of other uh, bits we do. The occasional grap up our pro wrestling podcast is usually the three of us and Barry Murphy. Uh, talking about the graps uh, one every month or so there'll probably be one at some stage during the summer because it looks like we're going to get a third May Young Classic um, so that might be around the time that we, we look at doing another one of those but uh, who knows in the meantime um, keep an eye out for that we also allegedly do a movie podcast called The Popcorn Social no we uh, don't <laughs> yeah never heard of it mate never heard of it um, that you know there may be an episode, there may not, who knows? It's Schrodinger's podcast, uh, but those two podcasts, just by subscribing to Link the Cast, when, if and when those episodes show up, they will be in this feed. We also have uh, a couple of sister podcasts. Uh, Mark, you do one on the wrestling, and I do one on the wrestling. Why don't you go first this week? I do. You can follow on Twitter, uh, the Honor Roll VOW, where I do a uh, weekly look at all the happenings in the world of Ring of Honor. Uh, I haven't done this week's show yet I'll be doing it over tonight or tomorrow and that'll be a recap of the last two weeks of the weekly television show and then uh, next week I'll be doing a full uh, review of the current War of the Worlds tour that starts I believe I want to say over tonight or tomorrow uh, including uh, of all things uh, a world heavyweight title match involving PCO in the Lord's year of 2019 which I'm all for yeah, indeed. Uh, and then mine is a significantly more dated podcast. Uh, myself and friend of the show, Lee Malone, uh, our podcast, Days of Thunder. You can follow us at WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter. Um, every two weeks, we do uh, a new episode of Thunder. Uh, next week, our episode on uh, Super Bowl 8 is about to drop. Um, so, yeah, check us out on there. Um, it's not in this podcast feed. You'll have to subscribe, but go to WCW Thunder Pod for all the links. I'm starting a new podcast where I individually review every single time that Eden Hazard does a back heel. So episode one, Stoke, is launching in a few weeks' time, guys. Thanks thanks for your time. Thanks for your support. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to do it for episode 140 of Cast. I've been Dave Ryan at The Day to Dave on Twitter. Mark has been at Lithium Project on Twitter. And Jack is at Jack Lazell on Twitter. We shall see you all next week. Hell yeah.